Father, I pray for our lesson today, our study here, as we look at this dire warning that, that John gives us about uh, worldliness and how pertinent that is to, to the situation that we're in where we live in such a worldly nation. Father, just show us the dangers of that and, and uh, help us to examine our own hearts and see where we're at as far as worldliness goes. Because, Lord, your, your word's pretty clear that if uh, we love the world, you're not in us. And so, uh, Lord, just help us to learn from this today. Help us to, to glean the lessons you would have us to glean. And we can only do that by the power of your Holy Spirit. So I ask you to anoint every ear here and to anoint these words as, as we go through this little passage here in 1 John. I ask that in the name of Jesus Christ, and it's his name that I pray. Amen. Again, if you have your Bibles, turn to the book of 1 John, and we'll be in chapter number 2 today, uh, beginning down at verse number 15. There was a Roman saint, one of the early Roman saints, uh, back in the 4th century. He was a man named Simeon the Stylite. Some of you might have heard of him. Well, Simeon the Stylite uh, was reading through the Bible, and he came to 1 John, and he came to chapter 2, and he read this verse that's part of our passage today in 1 John chapter 2, verse 15. He says, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Well, that's some serious stuff, isn't it? Well, Simeon took that passage very literally and very seriously. And so what he did, he went out, he lived in a place called Taladah, Syria, and he went out and he went to the Roman ruins there and there was a pillar there standing all by itself, about 20 foot feet tall. And he went up, on top, he made his way up to the top of the pillar and he built him a platform 10 feet square. And he lived on that platform for 47 straight years so that he could live out what John was saying here, so that he could live above the world. And he became like a celebrity because people came from all over the world. They made pilgrimages to Taladah to see this guy, Simeon the Stylite. I mean, the bishops came to see him. The Pope wrote him letters. He corresponded back and forth with the Pope. And he lived there for 47 years so that he could say that he didn't love the world, that he wasn't part of this world, that he, and he spent his time praying and fasting and, and writing and preaching from that platform, and all sorts of people came to see him. Well, that's kind of a bizarre, uh, 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 his actions were pretty bizarre if you ask me. But, you know, there are a lot of religions that take 1 John chapter 2, verse 15, and they applied in a similar way. You look at the Mennonites uh, and uh, the Amish people, and they take this passage literally, and so they have separated themselves from the world, and they go out and they live on these farms, and they, 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 they deprive themselves of any of the, the modern uh, technology that we have. They, they deprive themselves of that because uh, they feel that those things or worldly. Well, there are a lot, not a lot of other denominations and religions that maybe don't take it that far, but they certainly believe that 
that we're not to be worldly, and, and they practice a form of asceticism too. Uh, they, don't, they believe that things like smoking and drinking and dancing, going to the movies, wearing jeans, wearing makeup, uh, kissing before you, you're married, all of these things to them uh, are worldliness. They're marks of worldliness, and so they abstain from those things. And uh, so you got to look at this passage, and you got to ask yourself, is that what John was saying when he said, do not love the world or the things of the world? I mean, were we, are we supposed to just become ascetics and, and abstain from all the pleasures of the life? No. That's not what he meant at all by this passage. And let me, let me prove that point real quickly by going to another passage in the Bible uh, that the Apostle Paul wrote over in Colossians. Go with me over to Colossians. Just go back a few books to the book of Colossians and find chapter number 2, Colossians chapter 2. Everybody got it? All right, now look down at verse number 20. Listen to what he says. He's almost going to make a case against asceticism here. Asceticism means depriving yourself of the pleasures of life. Okay? In verse number 20, he says, Therefore, if you died with Christ from the basic principles of the world, and he's talking about worldliness here too, but in a different way. He says, Why as though living in the world do you subject yourself to regulations? to do's and don'ts, to religions that have regulations. Do not touch, do not taste, do not handle, which all concerns the things which perish with the use. And they're not eternal things. They're not the important things of life. Uh, he says, do not touch, do not taste, do not handle, which all concern the things which perish with the using, according to the commandments and doctrines of man, according to the religion of man, a religion that says, Hey, you cleanse yourself by abstaining from things. Your religion is what you do, it's what you don't, it's what you eat, it's what you drink, it's where you go, it's where you don't go. That's the way some people see religion. But listen to what Paul says in verse number 23. He says, these things indeed have an appearance of wisdom, of spirituality. You could translate it that way. To self, in self-imposed religion. Notice the word false is not there in the Greek, and it shouldn't be. They have an appearance of humility. They make you look like you're a humble person. And, and the neglect of the body, but they are of no value. They're of no value against the indulgence of the flesh. So what Paul is saying here, that if you're living by a set of rules, that doesn't make you spiritual. That doesn't make you wise in Jesus Christ. That, and that doesn't make you humble. In fact, you know what it often does when you try to live in a legalistic manner? It makes you even the more so prideful because people who, who, who don't say, I don't do this and I do this and I don't do that, you know what they're saying? You do and I don't and I'm better than you. And so it breeds pride. Legalism breeds pride. And so these things don't, give you power over your flesh, they don't give you power over the world, and they don't give you power over the devil. What gives you power over your flesh and the world and the devil? What? The power of Jesus Christ. The spirit of Jesus Christ. 
So what does John mean here then when he says, do not love the world? Well, let's go to, back to this passage in 1 John, and let's study it a little bit because he's going to tell us what he means. Usually, Scripture interprets Scripture. It always interprets Scripture if you look hard enough. Uh, so look with me again back in chapter number 2 at verse number 15. And he says here, he says, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Now that's a pretty scary passage. If you love the world, the love of the Father is not in you. There is a, complete, a clear imperative right here. He says, do not love the world. We're not to be lovers of the world. And then there's this dire warning in the last part of the passage. If you do love the world, the love of the Father is not in you. And what does that mean? You are not saved. You are not going to go to heaven. People who love this world will not go to heaven. If you love the world, the love of the Father is not in you. Wow. So you know what that tells me? I need to examine myself. We all need to examine ourselves. Are we lovers of the world? And if we're lovers of the world, we're in trouble because we're not saved. Now, to understand what he's saying, first of all, we have to understand what he means by the word world. What's he mean by the word world right here? Well, it's the Greek word cosmos. You've heard that word before. We get the word cosmetics from the Greek word cosmos. It means simply an order or to put in order. Women wear cosmetics to put their faces in order. Now, none of our women in here need that. I'm not saying that at all. I would never say it. In fact, I think some of us men need it more than the women need it. But that's what it means. It just simply means an order, an order. And so what John is referring to here is this present world order in which we live in. You hear these politicians all the time talking about the new world order? That's the cosmos. That's the ultimate cosmos. That's where Antichrist reigns. And I don't care if it's the Antichrist, it's where Antichrist reign. It's the world order, a order without God or with a God of man's choosing, a God made by man, a one-world religion where you tell God what, who God is and what he does and what he believes and what you believe. That's the new world order, and I cringe whenever I hear that word. But that's what the word order means. But John gives it here definitely in an evil connotation or context, but that's not always the context the word, the word cosmo is used. Because if you remember John 3.16, for God so loved the world, the cosmos. Does that mean God loves this present world order? No. He's talking about his world order, his kingdom. That's God's order. And so it's not always Cosmos doesn't always mean something evil, but in this context, obviously, John is talking about it in the context of evil. And he doesn't leave us guessing as to what this world order is all about or what he means by this present order. 
Because let's look at verse number 16. Let's go to verse number 16. He says, for all things that, for all that is in this world, all that is based upon the lust of the flesh, get this, the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father, but it is of the world. It is of the world. So here's what he's talking about. He's talking about this present world system, this present world system that we're to hate. We're to hate the things of the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. It's a system that's ruled by mankind and is ruled by the prince of this air, Satan himself. And that's the part of the world that we're to hate. It's Antichrist we're going to see next week. It's against God. And it's got three characteristics. The lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. You realize that's exactly those three things are exactly what caused Eve to fall in the garden. You remember how she saw the fruit? And she said the fruit was forbidden, but yet she wanted that fruit more than anything else in the world. She was dying to have that fruit. What do we call that? The lust of the flesh. She saw that the fruit was pleasant to the eyes. What's that? The lust of the eyes. She saw that it would make her wise like God. What is that? That's the pride of life. And so she ate of the fruit. She fell on all three counts, and she fell, and she ate of the fruit, and she lost that relationship that Adam and Eve had had uh, with the Lord before they were created, or I mean, as, from the time that they were created, and the earth was cursed at that point. And... Look, there's nothing new under the sun. The same thing that makes us fall, all temptation, all worldliness is rooted in the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. And they're against God. They are totally against God. So John is saying here in chapter 2, verse 15, you've got to choose. You've got to choose between loving this world and loving God. You can't have both. You can't ride the fence. You either love God or you love the world. You either love the world or you don't love God. Those are the choices. And, and, and so you've got to make that choice. Jesus said the same thing or basically the same thing in Matthew chapter 6, verse 24. He says, no one can serve two masters. He for either he will hate the one or love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money too. You can't be worldly and a Christian too. You can't love this world and love God too. You, you, you got to do one or the other. And if you're a born-again believer, let me tell you what, you can't love the world. You don't love the world anymore because think about it. When you become a believer, who lives in you? God lives in you. And if that you have that new nature, that new nature hates the world and loves God. You have the love, love of the Father in you. And that's what John's saying. Hey, if you love the world, you better examine yourself. 
Because if you love the world, then, then uh, you know, you probably, you probably uh, aren't born again. Now, what's the lust of the flesh? Let's talk about that for just a minute. What's the lust of the flesh? You know, we all battle with our flesh, don't we? We all know about our flesh. Our flesh is our human nature. It's the part of us that's the sin nature. It's the part of us that has this unsatiable appetite for, for, for all things. We want everything. We want the things we need, and we want the things we don't need. And we'll do anything to get those things. That's the lust of the flesh. Well, you know what the lust of the eyes is. That's wanting everything you see. I mean, you go into a motorcycle shop and you say, man, I want them all, except those Indians. I mean, I want them all, the Harleys I can get. I mean, you, that's, you want everything you see. I've got a husband who, who, who philanders around on his wife. You know, he's not satisfied. He wants every woman he sees. That's the lust of the eyes. What's the pride of life? The pride of life is, is this desire to be superior to others. We want to be superior to everybody else. We want to be top dog. We want to be superior to God. That's the pride of life. Let me, let me maybe give you a real, maybe silly illustration here to, to show you what, how these things work. I love donuts. I don't eat many donuts, but I love donuts. But my problem is I don't love one donut. I love dozens of donuts. I lust for donuts. So I don't go to donut shops because if I go to donut shops, then I'm going to buy a dozen donuts for my family and then I'm going to take them home and eat all 12 of those donuts. What is that? That's the lust of the flesh. And those donuts are bad for my body. And my body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. So for the most part, I stay away from donut shops. I don't, when I go, go, I don't even like Walmart, but when I do go into Walmart, they got some really good donuts. I stay away from that donut wall. Because if I go over that donut wall, I'm going to buy a lot of donuts because my flesh lusts for donuts. And at times I do go into a donut shop. And when I do go into a donut shop, my eyes gaze upon the glaze. Man, I love those donuts. And my eyes shout out to me. They, my eyes say, get you some of those plain donuts. Get you some of those chocolate icing donuts. Get you some of those white icing donuts. Get you some of those strawberry-filled donuts. I mean, get all the donuts you want. That's what my eyes cry out. That's the lust of the eyes. And let me warn you, if you come to church with a dozen donuts, and you leave those donuts laying around. If I give in to the lust of my eyes and the lust of my flesh, I'm going to go get some of your donuts when you're not looking. Well, I don't know how we can make donuts into the pride of life, but let's see if we can do that. Let's say Ron's a really good guy. And he comes, I'm, this is an exaggeration now. <laughs> I'm teasing. But Ron's a really good guy. And he comes to church. You notice I didn't use Roy on that one. Ron's a really good guy, and he comes to church, and he brings a dozen donuts for the pastor and, and, and the worship team. 
I'd have to get here earlier because I know the worship team beat me to them. Hint, hint, run. You get that? So we can enjoy those donuts. But Roy sees Ron bringing donuts and getting all this attention, getting these donuts. And so he goes out and he buys five dozen donuts. He buys five dozen donuts and he's got all sorts of varieties. He's got the chocolate icing one, the white icing ones, and all of it. And he says, look at the donuts, guys. I brought it. Poor little Ron. He's got a little dozen plain donuts. Nobody wants to be with Ron. They want to be with Roy. Now, what, 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 what can we say about that situation? I like it. It's lots of donuts. But what can we say about that situation? Well, Roy has the pride of life. Roy is concerned about being more important than Ron. He didn't buy the donuts because he loved the pastor and the worship team. He bought the donuts because he wanted to be important. I know that's a silly illustration, but let me, let me give you some more serious illustrations. People who will steal to get what they want. Why do they do that? Because of the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh. That's why they do that. People who have commit sexual sins, why do they do that? Because now let me, there's all sorts of sexual sins. There's adultery and pornography. Those are all sexual sins. Why do people do that? The lust of the eyes and the lust of the flesh. People who abuse alcohol and drugs, why do they do that? The lust of the flesh. When we watch things on TV and movies that, that we know are evil and we approve of those things, why do we do that? The lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh. This runaway commercialism in our society where everything's a commercial, man, they put commercials on everything now, everything. Why, what are they appealing to? They're appealing to the lust of the eyes. And the lust of the flesh. At your job, if you, you do anything you can to, to get ahead, you'll step on anybody, you'll beg, borrow, steal, and lie. Why do you do that? Pride of life. Pride of life. You know, humanism, all humanism, all of it, that's worldliness, is the pride of life. When someone says this Bible really, you know, I, I'm just going to pick and choose what I want to believe about this Bible, that's the pride of life. When someone says the God of the New Testament is different from the God of the Old Testament, that's the pride of life. When someone says there's all sorts of ways to heaven, you know, there's not just one way, I'm going to determine that there's more ways, that's the pride of life. When we worship nature and the earth, Instead of the God who created the earth, that is the pride of life. Politicians who will say anything and do anything, we see a lot of that, don't we, this season of the year. Do anything and say anything to get elected, that's the pride of life. If you love those things, if that's the way you operate, then you're not a born-again believer. You're kidding yourself if you think you are. And let me, let me say this. If you're a born-again believer, you don't need a list like I just gave you. You know what God hates, and you hate it too. But let me, let me warn you. If, if, if you don't hate the things, just, I, could give, I could make a list 
a mile long of things like I just gave you. But if you don't hate things like the things that are on this list, the love of God is not in you. You are worldly. Now let me say this. All of us are a little carnal here. I mean, I'm going to eat my donuts sometimes. There, there is some carnality. There is this battle between our flesh, and our flesh has not been redeemed. So, so I'm not condemning you if you have some of this worldliness in you. But if you love worldliness, if you love worldliness, the love of the Father is not in you. Because the Father hates this present world order. Because look at verse number 17, the last verse we'll look at here. We finish up. And the world is passing away, and the lust of it. But he who does the will of God abides forever. Friends, this world system, this present world order is passing away. And the lust of the eyes and the lust of the flesh and the pride of life are passing away with it. None of it, none of it is going to heaven. None of it. And if you love this world, you're not going to like heaven because none of it's going to heaven. None of it's going into the millennium, and none of it's going into the new earth and the new heaven because God hates it. And when Jesus Christ sets foot on this earth, he will rule with a rod of iron, and it's going to be a dictatorship like none you've ever seen before. He's a despot, but he's a good despot and a loving despot. And he wants what's best for all of us. And he's going to have none of this worldly stuff, none of this cheating, none of this lying, none of this adultery, none of these things. None of these things are going to exist on the earth when Jesus Christ comes. He hates it. And you better hate it now. You know, you see movies all the time and and television shows and commercials and, and uh, songs are written that, that give you this idea that somehow this present, that, that heaven is just a continuation of this present world order. It's not. It's not. Back in the 70s after Janis Joplin had died of a drug overdose and Jimi Hendrix had died of a drug overdose and, and Jim... Morrison had died of a drug, or, drug overdose. There was a song that was very popular in America. It was called Rock and Roll Heaven. Do you all remember that? Let me read you just a little of the lyrics here. and You get, get, get the idea of the way people see the way heaven's going to be. And this, let me just read one verse. It says, Jimi Hendrix gave us rainbows, and Janis Joplin took a piece of our heart, and Otis Redding brought us all to the dock of the bay. Sing aloud, Sing a song to light your life. Remember Jimmy Morrison that way. They've all found another place to play, implying heaven. And then the chorus goes, if you believe in forever, then life is just a one-night stand. If there's a rock and roll heaven, they've got one hell of a band. That's the way the world sees heaven. It's just a continuation of all of the things that are destroying us now. That's not so. Look, I'm not judging Janis Joplin or Jimi Hendrix. They might have made it to heaven. I seriously doubt it. I seriously doubt it. But what I can judge are the things that destroyed them. 
The, the, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life, those are the things that destroyed those people and those things are passing away and none of them, not none of them, will go on to heaven. Because you think about it, if those things were allowed to go on to heaven, heaven would soon become hell. Look at this world. That's why God's letting this world spin out of control. Look at this world and you see what happens when you just let things go without any rain or with, or over evil and without any righteousness. Look how terrible things have gotten in our own country. God's not going to allow, certainly not going to allow that to go on into heaven. So what abides forever? Look at what abides forever. Verse 17, he who does the will of God abides forever not the lust of this world none of those things abide forever but righteousness and agape love that's what abides forever and those who do do the will of god they abide forever those who have been made righteous by the blood of jesus christ they abide forever those who live righteously by the power of Jesus Christ, they abide forever. Those who hate this present world order, they abide forever. We live above this world. We're in this world, yet we're not of this world. But we live now. Even now, in this present world order. And i got to tell you, it's tough if you're a born-again believer to live in this present world order because we are surrounded by worldliness. I mean, America, let me tell you about America, and I don't care who's elected Tuesday, America is not a godly country. America is a worldly country. We are the epitome of worldliness. We, our businesses are worldly. Our politicians are worldly. And even our churches are worldly. They all, op, not all, but a lot of them are operating by the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. And instead of putting a bridle on our appetites, this society embraces the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life. And when we hurt somebody, we, we have always excused it. That's just who we are. Someone, you hear these people, I raped that woman because she flaunted it at me. And that's just, you know, I, the lust of the eyes. That's who I am, the lust of the flesh. I'm, I'm, I, I stole from that person because I'm greedy, and everybody's greedy. I, I, I'm, I've lied because it helped me get ahead. I mean, don't you, ain't it okay to lie to get ahead? I'm a pervert because I was made that way. You hear that all the time. And let me tell you what, God hates our worldliness. He hates our worldliness. Listen, he doesn't hate the world he created. He loves this world. He's not talking about the earth when he talks about the world. I mean, there's, 
mean, I love a beautiful sunrise, a beautiful sunset. God loves that. He loves the rainbow. He loves the magnificent waterfall. He loves all of those things. He hates this present world order, and he's not going to put up with it forever. And if you love this world, if you love this world, you better enjoy it now because this is it for you. This is the last you'll see of this world. The last you'll see of it. If you love this world, you better enjoy the years you've got here. And when they're over, you're going to go down to Hades. And that's going to be your abode with all the other people who love this world. And then you're going to get to meet Jesus at the great white throne judgment. And then you're going to be thrown in the pit of fire forever. Don't love this world. Now, we all by nature love this world and this present world order. We've got to have our nature changed by Jesus Christ. And those who have their nature changed, you know what we, where we're at with this thing? We're praying, Lord, thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And if you don't love this world, then you're going to abide with God forever on this earth and in heaven. And it's just a clear choice. You can't change those things yourself. Only God can change that. You have to have a heart that's changed. You have to give your life to the Lord, receive Jesus Christ into your heart, and guess what? You won't love this world anymore. Oh, yeah, you'll be carnal. You'll still want some things. And You know, God, God gave us the natural resources to make things with. God gives us food and drink to enjoy. I'm not, I'm, I'm not calling, making a call here for asceticism. I'm making this call here for a heart change where you can see with your eyes what's wrong with this world and what's right with this world and you embrace what's right, and you hate what's wrong. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we just thank you for your word and this call here to receive the good things you have for us in life, to seek the good things you have for us in life. To live above this world. We're in this world, but we're not of this world. Lord, by the power of your Holy Spirit, by your very life in us, we, we see these things, Lord, that, that we hate. And they're becoming more and more prevalent in this world in which we live. So, Lord, we just ask for your power and your strength to live above this world. We pray for those who don't know you, Lord, who, have, who are still in love with this world. Lord, it won't take them long to figure out this world. Loving this world is a pathway to destruction. It's a pathway to misery. Father, just, just open their hearts today to see 
what's right about you and what's wrong about this world. Open their hearts to see Jesus Christ and see him on a cross dying for them and shedding his blood. And let today be the day of their salvation. Father, we just again just thank you for all you've done for us. We, we were worldly, worldly people when you saved us. And we just thank you for de- delivering us out of this world order and into your kingdom order. We just thank you for the grace we have through Jesus Christ. It's in his precious name that I pray.